Network Radio. This week's show is a journey into consciousness, working through the wonderful trance mediumship of Mick and Sylvie Avery, with wisdom brought through by spirit guide Gregory Hay. To find out more about their work, you can visit www.spirit-teaching.com. So Gregory, a warm welcome to the show. Thank you so much, my dear friend, Ian, with love and light and blessings upon your journey, friend. Love and light to you. It's a pleasure having you back. Thank you so for asking. Okay, right. Now, um, a question I want to ask this week that's been playing on my mind and a few other people as well that have um, emailed in, and that is about the moon. Um, This week, I'm sure you're aware, uh, NASA bombed the south pole of the moon or they crashed um, a satellite into the moon um, claiming to to be searching for water or I think also changes in the atmosphere or something like that. Um, Question that many people have got is... Did they? Is that the real reason? Um, you know, why do they spend that money? I mean, what do you know anything about what happened there? Because it seems to be a big blur. There wasn't really anything that came out from that. Yes, yes, quite so. I understand, my dear friend, the scientific interest in this, particularly to do with uh, the facets of uh, water being upon the moon. Uh, the point is, of course, the moon itself derived from another planet. Uh, many billions of years ago, and that in actual fact the moon was really a result of the collision of this other planet with the Earth, which then enabled the moon to actually exist at all, which is why it is of a specific diameter in in ratio to uh, it being between the uh, sun and the Earth. It's part of the reason why. In many respects, friend, we would understand that naturally, there would be certain amounts of water upon the moon regardless, as there would be upon any planet which had a, how can I say, not necessarily a cool environment, but certainly an environment whereby uh, that moisture may well be uh, gravitated toward. Now, as you understand, friend, the moon has a certain specific gravity, which means that there is a great deal of moisture which is retained within the universe itself and moves around in clouds or even single droplets. Much of this may well surface, uh, land upon such places and planets like the moon and simply uh, dissolve into uh, underneath the crust itself. So one can understand in a sense the situation of why it would be that scientists perhaps might like to understand or have knowledge of the actual uh, impacts of the moon and how uh, perhaps specific uh, chemicals or nutrients may exist there, purely and simply for future scientific discovery and, uh, in, in a sense, enlargement of knowledge of such a planet. After all, it is your closest planet and ally in that respect. Yeah. I have to say, however, uh, that the, the situation of how much it would have cost and all of that, I know that that has also been a part of uh, the, the parting of many people's lips in this respect, that I would suggest, friend, that these were two vehicles which were at the end of their use in any event. 
They were not sent up there specifically or directly to be involved in this. They were simply used vehicles. I see. So there was no kind of ulterior motive. You know, the intention was to find water um, on the moon, basically. I understand, though. I, I understand also that uh, the peculiarities of it uh, being that they did not actually, there was not actually another camera which was taking the pictures of the vehicles as they collided uh, simply means then that, in actual fact, much of the uh, resonance of the uh, detritus that it was thrown up uh, because of the collision was simply uh, really be quite difficult to analyse in many respects. So I understand that the specifics of scientific data that would have been uh, gathered from such a, a mission, a situation, would actually be quite limited. As I say, I'm, our understanding, dear friend, and our knowledge ex is in the existence of water and presence of it throughout the entire universe of clouds of water that are many times larger than your solar system and some clouds of water which are even larger than your galaxy. So that means to say it puts into perhaps more further perspective of the nature of water and its promiscuous state throughout the universe. Sure. Because India had, um, I think they had uh, a satellite back in August, was it? I could be wrong. That discovered water on the moon. Yes. That's right, isn't it? And, but they discovered that through a different means. They didn't have to crash something into the moon to find that. Yes, that's quite true. So uh, why exactly they felt that there was a need to actually crash something into it is personally beyond me. Uh, perhaps it was maybe that they were looking to see exactly what effects there would be perhaps to cast some kind of illumination of what effects it might be if they actually exploded something upon the moon's surface itself. Has there been an increase in atmosphere on the moon, to your knowledge? Not specifically to my knowledge, dear friend. I understand there is an, an increase and change in uh, the molecular structure, uh, particularly to do with certain chemicals which appear to be in abundance, uh, various kinds of salts and that kind of thing, uh, which appear to be uh, uh, similarly disposed upon the moon. However, I have to say that at this present time, being that the moon's gravity, it still has gravity. That means that there, uh, there are still things which are uh, sat upon its surface, uh, obviously, so, without gravity, everything would have fell off it by now. So, uh, the whole point, and been driven out into space. So, my whole point really is that there are bound to be collections of different chemicals and different structures which come about gradually. To do with actual gases specifically, it's very difficult to say. I understand that there are some forms of ancient gas but none of the like as methane or whatever. Uh, so none of these kinds of uh, um, topical gases appear or liquids appear to be present upon the surface. So that means to say there is no evidence of detritus as such or, or uh, something like approaching previously growing matter. 
I understand that uh, the moon itself and the collision of its host planet into the Earth at that time, uh, there was, in fact, no growth happening upon the planet, either the planet Earth or its host planet at the time of the collision. It was long before life began, and in actual fact, is basically because of the, of the uh, moon's host planet and its collision with the Earth that life began in the first place upon the Earth. So, is it a coincidence that the moon is just the right size and distance from the sun to appear the same size as the sun in our sky? Well, I wouldn't say, in a sense, coincidence. Other words, in other words, one might say, would you not, that, well, then, in that case, God must have manufactured it or created it to be this specific size in order for this to be working in unison. It actually just so happens that a great deal of the detritus which happened from the collision all those many billions of years ago, simply uh, became gravitated towards Saturn and its outer rings, as well as the other forms of detritus which are uh, spinning around uh, the... How can I say this? The, um, the whole collection of planets around your sun-star system. Yes, and so uh, this outer belt is really the, the, the residue from this collision, this massive collision. As also I understand some of the rocks, in fact, some of the parts of the collision ended up in being uh, attractive parts to the uh, planets surrounding Saturn at this time. Is there anything non-natural on the moon? There's not... You know, rock. Apart from the odd... Uh, 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 Relics from old, ancient... Well, only from ancient human activity, friend. Is that kind of from Atlantean times or prior to, prior to that? Uh, well, my dear friend, if you are pointing to specific subjects of this... Uh, perhaps little faces or, or some such thing, or maybe even uh, those uh, situations that are configured as buildings and that kind of uh, situation. Many of these, um, so say, uh, uh, situations are actually uh, created as myths purely and simply because they are taken out of context of what exactly has been seen exactly so that it's made to look a great deal larger than it actually is, for example. Yeah. So there are many different uh, ways of looking at this. Uh, one have to, has to understand, then, that geometrical shapes appear naturally. Yeah, no, I do understand that, but I just wanted to understand that is, there are ancient um, leftover relics or leftover buildings or whatever you want to call it on the moon. I have not personally seen there, and I have been there often. There's no sort of glass structures or anything like that on the far side of the moon? I have not ever seen any glass structures myself. So therefore, I cannot go from a personal point of view. Right, OK. So at the moment, there's, no, there's nothing on the moon whatsoever, no habitation or anything, nobody there. There's no one there that you can see. No one we can see. Oh, okay. So you're saying dimensionally 
or oh yes of course absolutely dimensionally my dear friend there are other people living in your uh, in the exact place that you are living in at this present time okay so there's no kind of other ets or anything on the moon at this present moment not from elsewhere friend there is no reason for them to do that it's a quite a hostile place uh, the point would be that However, if there was someone visiting from elsewhere within this specific galaxy or elsewhere within the universe, then one would understand perhaps that uh, maybe they, it would be used as a stopping point or perhaps somewhere, uh, well, you wouldn't really go and have a picnic there, would you? No, no. I'm just wondering if, you know, if people did use it, then there would be some kind of evidence that it's been used in that way. This... Yes, I, I completely understand that, friend. My point really is that for the most part, most beings who use interdimensional travel or uh, are traveling actually within the physical world in which you presently live, but may use different methods of moving from one place to another, perhaps they use various forms of drive that enable their craft uh, perhaps to uh, uh, navigate their way across the universe and your physical dimension, then perhaps it would be that their vessels in themselves are uh, just simply large enough, perhaps contain whole cities or even worlds within them that enable them to travel without having to land anywhere. Okay. I mean, just to broaden the, the conversation around the moon and just talk about the solar system as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I've come across in the last few weeks um, research by numbers of people that claim that a number of our planets and bodies in, in the solar system seem to be brightening up. So it seems to be some kind of interplanetary climate change where, you know, they're becoming brighter. So there's like pictures of um, Pluto, um, Jupiter seems to be growing another storm on there, like another spot, um, Saturn, uh, even asteroids or comets seem to be brightening up. There seems to be an overall brightening up of the objects within the solar system. Yes, I do understand that. But I have to say, my dear friend, that part of this brightening effect is actually because of the change in atmosphere of the planet, of your planet itself. Really? Yes. So you're saying that it's caused by Earth? I am saying that the planets, these planets themselves, are not necessarily increasing in mass of their brightness or whatsoever, uh, howsoever you perceive it. I am saying that it's actually due to the molecular structure of gases surrounding your own planet, which are becoming dissipated, thinning, being lost to the universe. I see. So it's the observer on Earth is seeing a brightening in the planets. If you was, if you were a, a person standing outside of Earth, outside of our atmosphere, then there would, you wouldn't witness any change on those planets. Yes, that's right. But is there, a, is there like a new storm brewing up on Jupiter? There are uh, all the time, dear friend, different storms upon different planets. There are uh, different storms upon Mercury. There are certainly are uh, different situations happening on Mars at this present time, as it is quite volatile. I understand Jupiter and, and also uh, uh, in other ways that masses of gases are changing uh, specifically 
uh, particularly around Saturn, and also, uh, I understand, of um, other bodies as well. Uh, they will not be continually static. They will change and evolve. Okay. I mean, it's just good to talk about these things because you come, a lot of, you come across a lot of this stuff uh, on the net and, um, you know, everyone's got a different point of view on it. So it's good to sort of hear yeah. it from a different angle to see that, you know, we're observing this and yes. we're actually um, looking through a different lens, I guess, on that. And, yes, and, uh, I do yeah. understand, friend. But you do have to take in the chemical composition of what is really happening to the Earth at this present time with man's influx of uh, carbon and uh, change in methane, um, the change in other descriptive and destructive gases which are presently happening upon the Earth planet surface and within its atmosphere actually correlate quite different effects planetary-wide. Yeah, I mean this leads me on to planet Earth actually because I've noticed a large number of um, reports this week um, from across the world, from America, Russia, and I was quite surprised to see tornadoes in Russia. They've had um, an ever-increase in um, influx of um, how that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger um the weather seems to be going crazy there seems to be an increasing amount of earthquakes as yeah, well that's true so it seems like stuff's happening <laughs> you know yeah. we, we have spoke about this before and it really does seem to be stuff's happening now and people are taking notice as well yeah, um so they should exactly yeah and one, and one of the things that's come out of this is that there's been a theory sort of going around for a while that you know, if the polar ice caps melt, um, it releases lots of fresh water into the um, into the sea, which causes the the Gulf Stream or the conveyor belt to slow down. Um, and that in turn causes you know northern Europe to lose its heat because we get a lot of that from the Gulf Stream. We could go into a mini ice age. Yeah. Um, we've probably had a, we've had not I wouldn't say we've had a great summer. Um, it's been very dry in the southeast of England, but it's been it's been a bit volatile. The west of England's been very, very wet. Other places have had severe drought. So, Actually, my dear friend, if I may just interrupt you for a small moment, uh, my point here really is that the the major effect of the polar caps melting is not actually in the release of water. Right. Okay. The major. Uh, situation of crisis here is in the carbon and methane release that melting of the ice will take place. Okay. Because yes. that added extra carbon and methane is many times the amount that already exists within the atmosphere. Yes, that's right. And that, a lot of that comes up from the sea floor, doesn't it? As the oceans eat up, it releases... More. Yes, that is true. But I'm saying, though, dear friend, that where the ice caps are at this present time, the polar ice caps, there are uh, really countless billions of tons of, <sighs> of uh, carbon and yes. so methane which are locked up within them. Blimey. So that's going to be uh, a disaster. Yeah. Problems. Yes. Yeah. The other added problem, if I may, dear friend, is actually in to do with the change of salination of the oceans itself, mm. themselves, on a global scale. Uh, this is also a precipitous uh, situation which is already evolving, has been evolving, and the proof of that 
is uh, at first hand within the Gulf of Mexico because at least uh, over a third of it has died completely. So just to carry on the, the, the train of thought I was, I was leading to is that oh, we, I know we've got global warming because obviously the carbon dioxide goes up, it, it creates this greenhouse effect. But we seem to be now going into a colder, what could be a colder winter. So is the Gulf Stream already slowing down from this effect of fresh water going into the Gulf Stream? I have not seen that as being the specific. I am saying, dear friend, that at this present time, this is just a local, a localization. You will see that there will be a change in direction and that you are not then to think, oh, well, it's getting colder. Therefore, uh, all of the global warming scenario must be completely wrong. That is just simply the natural trend that is underlying within the uh, uh, sedentary deposits of how the Earth itself um, continues to evolve. So that is a part of the natural occurrence and is not really to do with the, the specifics of global warming. The problem is, dear friend, that what you will find is that there will be something like a two to three year gap where from at this point there will be almost like a cooling off effect that you will experience. And yet you will only experience it within this specific hemisphere. Then you will find that it will move uh, in transit en masse into a different part of the globe itself. And what in fact will happen then will take place will be a speeding up of both of the, uh, the tectonic effects that you are already seeing uh, being engaged. I'm not saying that they are... Uh, they are completely separate, and I'm not saying that they are completely different from any other set of uh, seven-year cycles that the Earth has been moving through for the last four to six hundred years. I'm saying, dear friend, that the tectonic plate events that are happening are in response, in a sense, not to climate change. They are evolving anyway and will continue to do so. So don't be confused by thinking that the tectonic plate effects that are happening are actually to do specifically with man's interference of the planet. Sure. But there seems to be a notable, noticeable increase in the tectonic plate movement. Yes, where... and there will be. That, that's my point, friend. But it's not, it hasn't finished yet. It's just, in a sense, uh, because what you've seen... Uh, forgive me, what you have seen in the Pacific Ocean, for example, the Pacific Rim, both on the south side, which is at present at fault, uh, because it is basically that it has been in being uh, caught under the, the opposing shelf of the Indian Ocean Rift. So that what's happening is that, or the Asian one, so that what's happening is that it's, in a sense, being released back. What you will then see following that, because we had thought previously that it was going to be the opposite way round, in that there should have been the same situations of shock and tectonic plate movement, which actually ha should have occurred on the western coast of America, uh, North and South America. But that in actual fact, this has simply not happened. There were simple and small aftershock waves 
that were affecting certain volcanic uh, disturbances, but nothing really too enormous. The main thrust of the situation happened on the opposite end to where we had thought that uh, was in fact going to be interrupted. So it probably be that within the next two to three years that the opposite extreme will happen and that will be the uh, to do with the western coast of America, uh, both north and south. So where does it lead to? Where, where is it going, if you like? It's simply movement, dear friend. It's simply because of the stress of the planet, the situation of, of organism that the planet is itself, and the structure of its central core means that there are various pressures which are released, uh, hitherto perhaps even pressures that are unknown. Uh, so that it means that uh, for perhaps particularly within the Philippines, there may well even become times when uh, even populated islands will suddenly become submerged or engulfed, in fact, by new upwellings of magma from the Earth's core. In exactly the same way as there is a continual building of both the, uh, the, the substrata events of the Rocky Mountains, I understand, and the, the, uh, the, the Andes as well in the south, simply mean that these are still building and still moving forward and gradually creeping eastward. Yeah, okay. Because obviously we move as a solar system around the galaxy. Okay, so does can this be caused by us moving into a more energetic part of the galaxy as we move around, or is this completely isolated from any energies from space? That is a very interesting point, my dear friend, and I'm so pleased that you brought it up. Uh, the point is that there are most certainly systems within your present galaxy which will become, how can I say this, that will become energies of uh, a distraction for your planet. Uh, for example, uh, I understand that, uh, that the Earth and its, its solar system will become quite close to one of the, um, one of the nearer black holes. It doesn't mean to say it's going to fall into it, friend. Just that, however, the difference in, uh, in situation field events which may happen specifically to do with uh, the various ways of uh, drawing energy, um, how can I say this, uh, specifically to do with electromagnetic and static forces, may well then have an impetus upon the planet Earth itself. However, this is really subjective because it will simply may not happen for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, my point really, however, on this is that the humanity as it stands at this present time has only but a short time really to turn the planet around. Uh, the point is that you have to, uh, for example, invest he most heavily in electrical driven cars. The age of the oil uh, driven motor vehicle is really past and it, it is something of a great danger that human beings still seem fixated by it. Just, just one last question before I move on to something completely different. Um, is there evidence to show that the Earth's gone through many pole shifts around 11,000 and a half years or 12,000 years? Well, yes. Uh, these uh, situations are apparently uh, continuing. 
my point here is that you will find that uh, there are certain magnetic shifts that happen almost daily. So it is, however, uh, for people to suddenly claim that uh, something is going to uh, flip onto a completely different uh, uh, polarity or some such thing is um, really, well, I, I don't know what planet they're from. Okay. But the situation remains, friend, that there are certainly dynamic energy fluxes that happen to do with both the, the uh, magnetic field of the Earth itself. Uh, the fact is that it is constantly changing, constantly in flux. That means that from the first moment that we began this conversation, it will have changed to a certain degree. Uh, so the energy that you feel now or the energy that you even interact with or maybe the cloud of energy that just moved over the area of London itself. It maybe have been felt by some, but not by others, simply and purely because these are situations which happen constantly. Okay. Which you, which, I mean, I know this is a, a, a throwaway question here. I don't expect you to know the no, answer to this. <laughs> but um, in the week, there was on a, a Russian Today news channel, they showed this most amazing cloud formation in Russia, which just had this amazing circular round kind of disc cloud with light shining through it. And I mean, if it was natural or caused by anything, it was the most amazing natural phenomena. Um, but, you know, was it? I don't know. A meteorologist said, you know, it, it's natural, da-da-da-da, but however, we've never ever seen anything like this before. So I'm not expecting you to know what it is, but was you aware of that? I was not purposely aware of it, my dear friend. If you can give me the, the relevant details of exactly uh, the um, uh, distance of hours and minutes north, west or south or east, then I will uh, certainly send uh, individuals from our group to go and investigate, as whatever the case, if it was something which had uh, uh, intellectual or other energy stimulus within it, it would leave a trace. Okay. Um, right. So this is... Um, this. Someone wrote in, they wanted to, to, to know about the uh, free prophecies that were given to free young children. Um, in Fatima. Yes, I you, are you aware of this? Yes, I understand. Um, and basically, these three young children, Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco, um, they basically wit witnessed an apparition of the Virgin Mary that gave them three prophecies over time. And the, f the first prophecy was, um, I think it was the end of World War Two, uh, World War One. Um, but they were shown a vision of hell or something like that. And then Vision 2 was um, apparently the breakup of Russia. And the third vision um, calls the Pope to faint. And they think it may have been him witnessing his own assassination or death or something like that. So just wondered, what, what's your perspective on that? Are you aware of it? Yes, I am, my dear friend. And I do understand that uh, individuals uh, such as uh, our dear blessed sister are apparent as she may decide. She is not the only energy who is able to bring this about. Okay. 
So I am saying that it is categorically not possible. No, of course not. It's it's a fact. So my point is that there are various situations of manipulation that individuals from our side of life are able to bring into the physical fabric of your side of life. That doesn't mean to say they are seeing an apparition. What it means is that those children actually witnessed physical materialization. They did not witness an apparition. It was physical materialization which then had around it the aperture of energy of which the materialization was enabled to occur. Okay, so in this in this sense, this is what happened. It was basically materialization of the Virgin Mary. Yes, as has happened from different times um, in, throughout the ancient kingdom and throughout your own kingdom. Sure. Uh, and your own time of life. So I'm saying that this is not uh, unheard of and that many others have enabled this to happen in exactly the same way as may happen in various situations at, um, at physical mediumship seances. Mm. So, I mean, are you aware of the third prophecy? I mean, or can you confirm what I've just said? Basically, the third one was the assassination of the Pope, or is it something yet to come? Well, my dear friend, that appears to be uh, a part of this situation which was given to the children so that they would enable other beings on your side of life to understand perhaps a little more about the duality of purpose of the spirit having a human physical existence, the reasons why perhaps that your physical life is not the end of it, or the beginning, or anything. It is just simply another part of the stepping stone of the continuation of life. And simply by there being interactions from the spirit world, however they are contrasted, in whatever manner they are brought, dear friend, it is always with love that they come, otherwise it must be something of, uh, one would think of demonology or something like that. But it's not to say that that is ruled out either. The point is that this whole situation of materialization of one form or another, whether it is of love or whether it is of great hatred, can occur. Mm, that's, that's good. Because um, you know, there's, there's theories on this that it could have been... Um, ETs who maybe have created like a holographic image to manipulate the children because um, in, in some ways it kind of promoted fear didn't it through the wars yes um, that's right it did somewhat friend. And, and however I do have to say that the great fear and dread that was unleashed specifically within World War I was really to do with the enormous suffering and uh, chaos loss of human life which was much of which was completely incoherent. Uh, people sent into battle for not one will of it, not one wit did any of the generals have, but then simply just uh, sent men to their perishment for nothing. So that, in a sense, was the sense of hell that was brought about because for many of them, friend, they have had to constantly live throughout their physical life 
and then their journey beyond in our side of life to deal with all of those um, uh, reconciliations and recompense that they had to make uh, for all of those young lives that were lost in their name, you see. Yeah. So in many respects, you could say, and I understand that there are these inferences of uh, different alien manipulation, as, and I don't rule that out either, friend. I have to say, uh, human beings on your side of life must be extremely careful about who it is that they actually make contact with. Just because they're saying that they're a friendly alien certainly doesn't mean that they are. So the the third prophecy apparently is locked away in, in the Vatican still. So um, I think some people say that it won't be revealed until the, the, the time is right. Um, and we don't know whether that's be, if it's passed anyway. With the um, I think it was John Paul, wasn't it? It might have been based on... I could be wrong there anyway, but... Um, there seems to be a lot of hidden secrets alleged, allegedly in the uh, in the Vatican. Of course, yes. As well. Yes, there are. Many. Many, yes. And I guess most of these would reveal the, true, the truth around humanity or our true history, stuff like that. Not necessarily so, my friend. No, I have to say much of it is really to do with the subterfuge between the way in which uh, certain religious uh, ordinations, particularly Catholicism, I have to say, uh, that their uh, uh, arrangement of power uh, upon the planet itself and the way that that has dominated uh, for the last uh, 1,500 years, really, uh, that this is really a, a cycle in itself of uh, great difficulty, great difficulty, for many. So do you see a potential for, the, for these truths to come out? That will depend entirely, dear friend, on what manifests. I can certainly see that at some point in time, in the not-too-distant future, there will in fact be uh, quite worrisome trends, particularly in that country, uh, as the tectonic plates upheaval uh, are created there. Right, okay. So could could that in itself kind of cause a crack in the wall of the Vatican? <laughs> well, it may well be in that they simply have to move everything. Yeah. Okay, because there's also, we have the, the Library of Alexandria as well, and yes. some people say that there was a lot of hidden knowledge and, and stuff they destroyed. Yes, that's perfectly true. Yes, absolutely. So in order to keep uh, a great many things uh, away from the public eye. That's part of the power and manipulation uh, that is continuing apace. Uh, of course. Of on course. Planet, as well you know, friend. Hmm. Well, there's, there's a good book out at the moment called The Lost Symbol, and it's, it paints a very nice picture of the Freemasons. I don't know if there is relevant as the book makes out and I'm sure there are many people in any organisation you have good people um, and then there's just there's obviously the greed and control at the very very top but the book is also great because it reveals a lot of the um, symbols and I suppose the links to Egypt and in in, in America like Washington with the Capitol building and the yeah. obelisk uh, and all that kind of stuff is absolutely revealing Yes, because of course, my dear friend, you have to remember that Freemasonry itself began in Egypt. Yeah, okay, you yeah, understand that. 
Yes, it began in Egypt because of uh, uh, it was actually a gift of the pharaohs yeah. that they had bestowed upon the masons who made their tombs. Because ordinarily, what had happened was that uh, the masons and all the peoples that were conscripted into making the pharaohs' tombs were uh, actually usually killed off. They were usually cemented into the tombs uh, at, uh, after the pharaoh had been buried there. And the reason for this was so that they could not release any ideas or understanding of the tomb's construction, so as then it would be illuminated to raiding parties who would then raid the tombs of their official status and, of course, of their beloved pharaoh whom they buried there. So the situation was that it became that the stonemasons were so worried over this that at one point, I forget exactly whose uh, tomb it was that they had been working on, but that they had actually, I'm sure one of them will come to me very shortly directly, uh, uh, but I understand that it was a situation that was uh, created simply out of the concern of the stonemasons themselves that they would never divulge the true pharaoh's uh, root away from their own tomb. Uh, into the afterlife. And that was the, uh, the actual uh, uh, document that was given to stonemasons to become free masons. That meant that they were out of ownership of the pharaoh whom uh, they worked for in service until their death. Yeah. So they've kind of, now they've passed this knowledge on, um, but it's kind of within like a, a, an old gentleman's club kind of thing. You know, you have to be at certain levels to know certain pieces of information. Yes. But, but has that kind of, like of any organisation, whether it's a corporation, a bank, anything like that, I guess if you compartmentalise something so, so much, at the very, very top, you're going to have people that use that for their own end, like control and greed, aren't you? Of course, yes. That is just the human destiny. Yeah. It? So, so when when George Washington um, became the president of the United States and had the the Capitol building built and all that sort of stuff, was his intention there with the Constitution good? Was it later on that it got all muddied and abused? Well, my dear friend, I have to say that uh, I have not had the privilege of conversations with George himself, but that obviously must be something that I bring together. Sure. Uh, so that I will be able to uh, uh, fund myself with the right understanding. Sure. Okay, well, we won't waste any more on that then. We'll, we'll no. delve into that in another show. Uh, so, basically... I will be happy to. Yes, fantastic. So would I. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so this is going back into even further into ancient history now. Um, and this is just going through some Bible quotes, really. Cause, um, Isaac Hale's Wheels Within Wheels. Are you aware of that? Where they say there's... It's kind of like... Um, how can I say this? Um, so I read... This, this is like a, 
Isaacel313 says, I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another, the noise of the wheels beside them, and a great thunderous noise. And they talk about beings being in like wheels within wheels, and or like chariots of um, coming from the sky, like chariots of fire that almost. Yes. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? What, what I'm trying to get to here is that they witnessed, witnessed these as angels coming from the heavens. I understand that. Well, they would, wouldn't they? Uh, my point really is that, as I have said oftentimes, that humanity has been visited a great deal by many different beings from many different planets. Human state itself is the product of interactivity from beings from other planets. At at least three stages of the three cycles that human beings have been involved in over the last five million years. Yeah. So basically these were, um, were they, would they be classed as creator gods? So meaning that they were ETs coming in pretending they were like the gods because yeah. they were more superior to manipulate humans, really. I- I would say, that, though, my dear friend, not necessarily that they would appear as that uh, knowingly, that it was not something that was then altruistic, was not something that was pre-planned as such. Uh, simply remembering, of course, that people at that time were largely living in small tribal enclaves and that kind of situation, which had meant that any evolutionary situation that happened outside of them, particularly to do with using any form of machinery uh, or equipment that was remotely different to themselves, would have left them uh, totally aghast. Yeah, sure. So so in, in many respects, friend, their description and concept of what they had seen and witnessed and uh, maybe some might call it an incitement of devilment, and others would say that they were indeed gods. So be it. That would be the same as any being who had landed upon another planet where wills were little like human. Yeah. Been at that time. So are you aware of the, Sumer- the Sumerians when they talk about the Anunnaki? I think I said that right. The Anunnaki. Yes. Because there's, there's, um, they talk about the Anunnaki coming in and they were like the creator gods and they were called the Nephilim, Elohim, um, and, and they basically came in and allegedly, I believe, um, may have manipulated or created a hybrid race or a slave race. I mean, some people even say. Yes, well, my dear friend, my point really is that... Uh, Many of these conditions were really um, subject to uh, very small descriptions, often offhand descriptions of uh, peoples. Uh, I understand that the human race itself had been ascribed, as I say, to do with interactivity between uh, those uh, alien races of other understanding from elsewhere and also from that interaction which had happened, you could say then that human beings became a, a hybrid of something else. It is it's simply, dear friend, that over this five million year period, it has not purely been for the gradual evolution of human state, for there are no record, records to bear it. 
and there are no records to bear it simply because of the way in which the earth itself has changed. Many of the situations, places where human beings had once lived have, have in fact been buried underneath the sea. Mm. Uh, so uh, much of this situation of the Elohim and uh, various different called or sighted peoples are just simply that sighted. Yeah, I mean, there, there is still some um, some pictures of these on walls because there's like pictures of uh, bird-headed men with wings, reptilian-looking uh, giants. Yeah, um, and they could be the Anunnaki, I guess, or yeah. portrayed in that sense. Uh, yes, yes. In actual fact, and uh, reptilians or raptors that we call them uh, are. Um, I understand that there have been some interactions of the less well-known raptors, uh, and certainly, thankfully, not the really uh, virulently hostile ones that exist within the universe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, I did. Want, I actually wanted to go into Bigfoot tonight, but I'm just going to just we'll go into Bigfoot in another show because I'm quite uh, intrigued by this. Very well. <laughs> So basically, Bigfoot Sasquatch, is that what you, you Sas- pronounce it? Yeah. Sasquatch, yes. Yeah. Is it the same um, being that's found in the Himalayas as it is in Pacific Northwest, California? Just about, yes. Just about as well. And it's does it have evolutionary process, yes. Yeah. It's a simple branch of humanity, one of the original branches that still continue to survive. Yeah, and from what I understand, they're very friendly as well. They're not, they're benevolent creatures and and very intelligent as well. Yes, in the main, yes. Well, my dear friend, and they're able to, uh, oftentimes, they're able to dematerialize. Hmm. Because I was listening to another radio show recently, and um, these guys go up into the woods to to try and find them and they record their calls if you like and this this guy basically shouted and then literally a few seconds later he heard his voice exactly how he projected it come back at him yeah so this creature almost like mimicked his voice 100 percent back to him yeah yeah i understand that yeah Okay. All right. I mean, I'd love to go into that in a future show. I just thought I'd just test the water there to see if, if you uh, oh. was aware of Bigfoot. Oh, yes, friend. Of course. Okay. They, they have been in existence on your side of life for millions and millions of years. They sound lovely, actually, but I guess we, we would, we're more of a threat to them, aren't we, really, than the other way around? Yes. The first thing that you hear that human beings want to do is to go and shoot one. Hmm. Yeah, we've got a lot growing up to do before we do that. Anyway, so I just want to ask some questions because some, somebody else emailed in as well. Um, they basically want to know, with all due respect to anyone's belief, there does seem to be in some spiritual people's thinking that spirit can do anything for them. My guide will get a car parking space for me. Spirit will provide me with the money for a course I want to go on. And I think it's time that people are made aware of exactly what spirit can do, will do, or maybe what they are allowed to do in order to help people. It's really not necessarily to do with what they are allowed to do. It is really to do with humanity's expectation that they are 
afraid to take control of their own lives and would rather leave that manifestation up to the will of some greater or so say higher power, which appears to be uh, that they are reluctant to take on that personal responsibility of their own lives themselves. And I say to you, friend, categorically, that there may well be that people just simply say that they want this angel or that angel to find them a car parking space. Well, don't you think that that actually belittles the whole energy and essence of what you think you are as a being? Yeah. If that is such a trivialized situation to be brought about and that you are showing such disrespect in that respect. The work of you as a human being and as a physical being moving through your universe has to be that you gain respect within your life, not just for yourself, but for every being that you interact with. I'm not asking all people to behave like Buddhist monks, but that for you within your journey to create the right respect and, and awareness within yourself, you cannot be expecting that all and sundry are at your beck and call so that you diminish them and that you raise your status. This situation has, have, has to become limited simply by the understanding that with interacting with spirit is a very gradual process, a beautifying process, and something with which you create in service to others, not in the service to aid you solely within your life. I understand people will be besotted by their doorkeeper or perhaps have their guides changed by someone else's will or someone else's hand simply because they don't like them or because they don't think they're doing enough for them. All of these matters are subjects of the human mind and only serve to continually make people more aware of how little they have changed and how little they have grown in their own awareness. So people generally who interact with the spirit world need to do so with utmost respect, for love and service are the keys to your life. Use them well. But not out of disrespect, you see. Yes. This leads on to a second question as well that's kind of related. Um, it says there is and has been for a while some books, cards, courses, etc. that are called universal ordering, cosmic ordering, where if one visualize, visualize and believes that what they want will come to fruition. And I need to know from Gregory if this type of human concept is true on the physical plane and how that may differ to the concept of spirit, spirit thinking of something and having it materialise in front of them. Yes. Well, my dear friend, I have to say that this whole subject, this whole situation is in retrospect to do with the pathway of synchronicity and the laws of attraction. 
it's almost like turning the law of attraction on its head to be purely and simply in service of the human mind or the human being. Human beings have not yet realized they actually live on a planet with many other millions of beings whom they have to look after because in actual fact, if they are, so say, the minds which are the highest, then they have to look after all of those other minds which are not. My point here is that there are, of course, laws of attraction which are inherent within the universe. That's exactly the same like laws of sheer force in physics. In this respect, then, if you wish to attract some kind of advancement in your life that moves you into a different job of work, if your whole motivation for that job of work is purely on a monetary level and financial gain, then you are not going to be looking at this in a spiritualized way, but that you are going to be looking at it about how you can stand on someone else's back to gain the advantage over them. If you are really truthfully looking for your spiritual pathway and seeking it, I am not saying that you cannot manipulate to a certain extent the energy of the future or the energy of your direction, where you may lead to. This means to say, friend, if we come to you and we say, your direction needs to change, because by changing your direction, you will not only become a learned person, but you will also bring great funds of knowledge to the rest of humanity, to be in service to them, and for that will and that end, we will help to support you in that endeavor. That is the way that synchronicity and the laws of attraction will work in your favor. If you seek something which is not, uh, uh, not in a sense a glory path, but is something a little more mundane, perhaps uh, that you wish to have a, a good and happy life, that you uh, gain the greatest love of your life within your family, or some other thing. This, these are also matters of your higher perception and your wish for uh, the greatest energy within your loving family. And it's actually love that drives it, not the service of financial gain and manipulation or the manipulation of other peoples. This is how you will then find your own path to synchronicity and ultimately the law of attraction will then come to you as a matter of course. So I'm saying, friend, if you do the right things, practice in the right way, create the right kinds of respect towards all other beings, and you measure your footfalls, not simply of where you are going to tread, but where you have trod, so that you understand your footprints are as beautiful as the soil that you see before you stood upon it. These are the measures of a person who is trying to lead the right laws of attraction into their favor, into their direction, 
And sometimes even those people, devout as though they may be, can sometimes come asunder purely and simply by someone else's vengeful act or whatever. There they are, blown up into smithereens, becoming vaporized by someone else's carelessness. That could not be contrived as being, oh, well, you would say then, oh, well, the law of attraction failed them. My point here is that humanity, mind, fails them. Nothing to do with the spirit world, but actually to do with the laws of attraction that were failed uh, not through them or their activity, but someone else's activity of mind. Yeah, because with, with me, Gregory, um, the way I understand law of attraction is not, like you say, it's not on a, a monetary or greedy perspective. I have a lot of synchronicities happen to me, and it, yes. they're more like I'm in this flow of energy. And it's like, let's give you an, ex- an example. Um, I see a lot of numbers that repeat, and I get an awful lot of 11, 11, right? And that is, it's gone so far beyond just seeing it on a clock. I'm going to give you an example. The other day, I was heading into town. Um, take a coat back I didn't want to go I was differing whether to go or not I hate going shopping anyway and um, basically I went into town I parked the car I found a a ticket machine to put my money in but I couldn't put the money in because it was broken so I ended up walking around the car park I found another machine walked up to it went to put the money in and there on the machine a clock said (laughs) 11-11 and I get this so often and I just think it's just amazing synchronicity and it makes me smile and I see it so often and it seems the more I experience it and the more I laugh about it and appreciate it, the more it happens. Yes, there is another time that does that as well, friend. Yes. What, what's that? that? Is, that is the time of 10 minutes to 8. 10 minutes to 8? So that's yes. 7.50? Yes, but 10 to 8. Right. Yes. Okay. And that is a... A state of equilibrium. So I would see that on the clock as 7.50. Yes. Because I see an awful lot of things like I wake up in the morning and it'd be 4.44. And then the next night I go to bed and I wake up and look at the clock and it's 1.11. Yes, I understand. But part of what is also happening with you, dear friend, is that there are certain syncretic events which are tied around you to do with number, yes, but also to do with your spirit, to do with those who walk with you. And in respect of uh, that they're not just waking you up so that you can visit the bathroom, Mm. they're waking you up for specific purposes of events, of opening your consciousness to more events of the syncretic pathway. It's not their set to make you run round in circles in your mind. <laughs> no, I mean I I absolutely enjoy that. Anyway, I just find it amazing because at some level it, it does show there is order and a beauty in the universe as well. Oh. Like it's as completely mundane or crazy or how crazy things appear. There's like ah, oh, if I just saw that and I just did all this, then you know that there seems to be some kind of weird order to that in some way. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's fascinating. The point is, my dear friend, that human beings living a physical life should not feel that the state of order is then run into chaos when someone on your side of life passes or something like that. The problem is that the life passing event 
is is looked upon by human beings as being something of a catastrophe, as being something of uh, fear and something of uh, great um, uh, difficulty there to be uh, created within the uh, uh, fields of um, negativity. It, it isn't that way at all. The problem with human beings is that they find uh, there is such an attraction of fear over the whole passing scenario, rather than understanding it's just simply another part of the pathway of synchronicity that is actioned upon the human physical being and upon their spirit too. Well, we're going to wrap it up there now, Gregory. Thank you very much again. A very enlightening show as well. well thank you so very, very much, my dear friends. With love and light to every single being that we ever touch or are allowed to grace the path of. We thank you based in your light, friend. God bless. God bless. If you would like to book your own personal reading with Gregory to find out about your own soul journey, then please visit the graphic banner underneath the show or visit www.spirit-teaching.com.